This is The Fit Mess with Zach and Jeremy. What are your values and beliefs? Where did they come from? And are they even yours? This week, we will explore those questions and how the answers can put you on a path to better overall health and happiness. Our guest is Ashra Bennett. She is a certified executive coach and clairvoyant on a mission to help America recover from the COVID pandemic and to help bridge the gap between the corporate world and a more spiritual, peaceful world. And Zach, with her this week, we really cover it all. Breathwork, psychedelics, addiction, shadow work, and even clairvoyance. You know, there there's this thing I lovingly call the woo-woo. Just all the things that 10 years ago, I can't imagine I would have trusted or believed. But I've seen so many things now that make me believe in the woo-woo. And I, I really genuinely am curious about it now. You know, I've had my own experiences, but there's more out there. there there's... I want to get Star Wars geeky and say there's a force, but there's there is definitely an energy that you can feel and things are things happen through that science can't prove. I don't know if you've had that experience, but I, I definitely have. Very much. I and mean, I think I've even talked on the show about experiences that I've had that I would have dismissed, would have not believed, whatever. But I feel like that is something really common among people who go on this sort of journey of self-development, self-improvement, whatever it becomes spiritual because the only way to really grow is to really like look inside yourself. And, and the more you look and the deeper you dig, the more you find that connection sort of to everything it, it, again, not to, not to be all star Warsy, but it, it is, it's this force. It's this, this energy that penetrates us and binds us together. Binds us. <laughs> you can't explain this stuff. My, my mother-in-law passed away a few weeks ago and she was in hospice and my wife, you know, was just in the kitchen and I was, we were just talking and I just saw something sweep over her and she got really sad and she got visibly like very, something happened mm -hmm. and she like walked over and hugged me and she's like, I don't know why, but I just got so incredibly sad and like missing my mom already, like weird. She's like, I don't know what this is, but I just like just washed over me. And it was like 30 seconds later, the phone rang and it was hospice saying, your mom's about to go get down here now. Oh my God. Like, that's incredible. You can't explain that. Like yeah. that, that it, there is something out there that's connecting everything together and some people are in tune to it. Some people are not. Yeah. I think those are the kinds of experiences that become more available to you. The more you do open yourself up to the idea of there being more and, and not that we're just on some rock by accident. And we may be, I'm, I'm not here to tell someone that that's not the case. Cause I believed that myself for a very long time. I don't know that I'm right. I just know that from my experience, the more open I've been to these kinds of ideas and these experiences, the more right it's felt, but someone who can maybe help us shed a little more light on this and, and how to have those experiences and how to be open and someone who can help you grow through them is our guest this week. Her name is Ashra Bennett. She is a certified executive transformational coach and an acclaimed clairvoyant, which of course we had to ask about that. And predictably she knew that we were going to ask her about that. A fascinating conversation that covers everything from breath work to psychedelics, to finding your purpose, to just being open to these experiences. We cover it all. And it's a fascinating conversation that began with her sharing with us what brought her to America in the middle of a pandemic. 
Yeah, it's a great question. So I actually started in the corporate world and it's probably not unfamiliar. A lot of people, you know, before they do a real transition in terms of their trajectory and how they want to add value to community. For myself, it was that I was in the corporate space working for large multinationals, leading very large teams. I had thousands of direct reports and I loved that, but I was hungry for more and I really felt this And I want to use the word ineptness. There was something really voided and missing in what I was receiving. And I knew there was a whole lot more to who I was and what I was about. And it was um, several years ago, actually around 2012, when I actually was involved in a very large community project, fundraising for children's brain cancer research back in Australia. And and as a result of being a part of that, um, I really changed my trajectory on how I wanted to show up. And I then made that decision to walk away from the corporate space and to step into more of the entrepreneur and then begin to build my global brand. And since doing that, like all things, it's a building block, right? We've got to get the foundations right. The hunger and the passion and the visibility in and around that became clearer and clearer. And with all things, confidence brings more clarity. You know, clarity brings confidence. So um, to where I am now. So last year, right before the pandemic, I intentionally moved my family. We moved and uprooted to, to come and live in the U.S. to actually help the U.S. rebuild. Part of the, the gift of what I have is foresight and being a, a seventh-generation seer. So always having that kind of um, professional alignment, I get to bring the best of of two worlds together. I still work with um, executives, corporations, companies, small businesses, but also work with grassroots people. And I like to be able to bring the both together and really build that bridge of unification so that there isn't so much um, dichotomy or disconnect where there potentially has been historically. I, I read that you're an internationally acclaimed clairvoyant and you mentioned you're a seer. Can you just say more about that? And did you know I was going to ask you about it? Yes. <laughs> That's a, it's a kind of a given, right? Yeah, do you yes. have to be a clairvoyant to know you're going to be asked about being a clairvoyant, though? I mean, it seems like kind of a... Yeah, because I think there's, like, and I, there's a real taboo around it. Like, I, I'll just say it as it is. There's two schools of thought. There are people that are really open and naturally curious because they've had some form of apparition or connection to um, the unseen. They may not be able to fully language it or articulate it in a way that may make sense, but they sense that there's something more. And that's kind of understanding that we're all interconnected. We're not kind of these singular units that, you know, sometimes decide to plug into what the external is. We're all uh, consciously interconnected and interwoven into this one massive tapestry that is the multi-universe. The other school of thought is that people are really sceptical. Like, holy shit, what do you know about me? What can you see? Can you see when I didn't do the right thing? Can you kind of see all my dark things in the closet that I kind of, you know, keep under lock and key into Pandora's box? So it's two different kind of energies. The first thing I want to say, there's nothing to fear about the unseen, the, you know, the unknown. Working with spirits, not just about people that have passed over, like loved ones or friends or peers or colleagues. Spirit is very much multidimensional that there are, yes, other uh, extraterrestrial beings, there are other layers of light or a hierarchy of light, there are angelic beings, there are ascended masters and archangels. And getting to work with spirit is I actually get to, much like explaining building the bridge, I get to be that light bridge in really debunking the woo-woo. And I think most people think in terms of psychic or prophecy or being able to hear or see or smell or taste spirit as I can, 
is that I'm going to be, you know, have a cauldron in the corner of my room. I'm going to be putting, you know, <laughs> random objects into my cauldron. It's going to be frothing over and I'm creating something. It's it's not like that. Like I'm a regular individual that just has a hyper, super sensitive, extra sensory ability. I can hear, I can see, I can smace, taste, um, and I can feel. So, you know, when somebody's um, feeling a particular way, I can really tune into their energy and really uh, get to the root um, of what's actually coming up for them and being in in who I am is it's who I am it's not uh, I'm Ashra and I happen to be it's just one and the same right I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman and being female is that it's not separate to who I am it's just who I am it's not an identity it's just part of part of the multi-dimensionality of of who we are or how we show up in the world so just for the record though I, I do fall in the camp of there's unseen that's there and it's influencing. But I had to ask the question just because I had to, but yeah, I do fall in the other camp. Yeah, and I love that. The unknown and the unseen is, it's more there than what we are historically told that it's actually there. Because of the internet interconnectedness of everything that is, the spirit world and the living world are actually not completely different. There's no hierarchical of, you know, this heaven and hell perception. That's kind of man's interpretation um, of association to, to be able to connect to something. But the reality is of, of believing, it's great that you believe because it's just affirming to you that what you can sense in your own intuitive um, body and your body's a barometer of truth. It kind of is that flight, flight or free or either take you towards something um, that feels good or will say, hell no, this is like not good. It doesn't make me feel good. That's your intuition. That's your own soul speaking through you. So we're supposed to talk about uh, preventing sabotage and transformation and all this, but this this is far more fascinating to me on a personal level because I have had experiences that have changed mm. the belief system that have mm. opened my eyes to things that that you know, I want to believe we're real. So mm. if I, if I can, Zach, I hope you don't mind. I want to just entertain this for a minute because I've, I've done some breath work sessions. Perfect. And in them, I, every time I say it out loud, I feel weird saying it out loud, but I feel like I, I communicated with loved ones who I've lost. Mm-hmm. And when you said tapestry, mm-hmm. it just like all the bells lit up because that was the experience that I had. I, in one of those sessions, I was communicating with people who had recently passed and I asked them, where are you? Are you okay? And they basically said, it's all a tapestry. It's all the same. Yep. That's, that was the message. And it was the most kind of frightening and comforting thing I'd ever uh, sort of had in that way, because it took me a while to get out of it and to sort of come back down from that session. So I guess, uh, I guess my question is, did that really happen? Did, or was my brain just sort of misfiring and, and doing some weird thing? No. <laughs> And so is breath work and, and I guess perhaps psychedelics, are those potential gateways to, to the mm. other side or to the, the, I guess, the real reality that maybe our brain doesn't allow us to process? So there's several layers to that. The first one I want to confirm for you is that as soon as you started speaking, my body was lighting up. Like I was feeling tingling throughout. I was visualizing, seeing that whole um, exchange that was actually transpiring between you and the other side. The interesting thing is, is if we look at the Matrix and we don't look at the Matrix the movie and people go, oh, yeah, I can, I can resonate with the Matrix movie, it's, it's all how you're meeting yourself. So what do I mean by that? Well, we meet each moment in life as far as we are emotionally available and willing to see whatever is in our receptivity. 
So when we talk about things like having these extrasensory experiences, it, it opens us up into expanding our lens and seeing what is possible opposed to maybe being in a particular matrix of thinking, feeling, being, doing, having, how we're conditioned to think, be, do, have, see, connect, yeah? That very traditional kind of hierarchy. So breath work is beautiful in terms of Breath is life. So breath is really opening up your central channel and being able to expand your extrasensory abilities but also to soften your sensory ability to actually park the ego, so the egocentric connection, and allow your soul to speak through you and allow your heart to be really the emergence of what is the most prominent energy in that space. More often than not, the monkey mind kicks in, which is the ego, and kind of talks you in and out of something instantaneously. One minute it's flaming hot, like it's so electric, and the next minute you're like, oh, my God, backing out, how, how can I dig myself out of this, right? That's the monkey mind. That's the ego. Psychedelics is one of these really interesting spaces. So psychedelics and plant medicine have been around for eons, right? People have dabbled in them. They've been very taboo. Um, if we look at the plant plant medicine world, they go back thousands of generations. You know, if we look at the early Egyptians, um, the Aztecs, they were all using these medicinal properties in ways to actually come back into a sense of um, self, to come back into a sense of recalibration. Psychedelics is a still a very untapped market. I think because um, really 80s, 90s, people started to really push the psychedelic space and there were still too many unknowns in and around it. I think one of the things with tapping into psychedelics, a substance that you're taking in order to get to an alternative state rather than things like breath or um, working with different elemental energy, which, which you can ask me about in a minute, is when you are going into the rabbit hole is knowing how to hold yourself in that space. In my experience over this facilitating all over the world, I have unfortunately too many individuals that come to me that play in certain plant medicine or psychedelic spaces, even in microdosing. What it does is it really just takes away all of the noise, all the gunk, all the chaos, and it brings all of the dense emotion, the shadow self, that is there that's sitting in trauma or wounding that's asking to be risen for you to work through to release to let go so that you're not actually kept captive to old aspects so psychedelics yes there's a lot to play in that space there's a lot of growth in terms of what's possible but when you're playing with psychedelics always do it with somebody that's actually um, very traversed in it and that can actually hold the container for you and with you while you're playing in that space so as much as we look at light and dark you know light comes from darkness if we're going to explore our shadow aspects so the lower density emotions around sorrow grief fear anxiety um, depression anger rage um, self-sabotage any of those kind of that's very dense some people can get very trapped in that and then they feel like they're looping and they don't know how to break the cycle. So I like that you asked me that question about both. You don't, in my experience, you don't need to take a substance in order to have true expansion. I think that it's really a personal choice 
and part of that sovereignty of do I want to play with this? Do I want to experiment? Do I want to see how it feels? Um, what does it bring up for me? Um, I, I know lots of people that have had great experiences, but then on the flip side, you know, I professionally work with a lot of people that actually come to me because they've gone down the rabbit hole and they don't know how to come back out. And so teaching them how to integrate that, you know, part of uncovering emotional awareness is how do I then in that receptivity use it to my advantage and work with what I'm finding about myself so that constructively I can move forward rather than kind of feel like I'm contracted and, I, and, and I'm not used to myself or what I'm trying to achieve, right? Makes sense? Yeah, yeah. So w- one more thing on this line. So what do you say to the skeptic that says, uh, you're just getting wasted? You're just totally, you're hallucinating, you're, you're altering your brain to not yeah. reality. How do I yeah. sort of marry the concept of reality to my experience and to someone who says, oh, you're just getting, you're just getting high? If you separate the difference between breath work, you're not required to take anything. Breath work is is really about body. It's about alignment of breath in body and being in body. We live culturally in a very hyperactive society where we're constantly plugging into externality. So when that's actually happening, we actually escape our bodies a lot. So when you think about addiction, and I can see where you're kind of threading, threading some of this and the thought pattern is that addiction is a way to escape reality. So people that have addiction to other substances, whatever the substance of choice is, it's to not be in body or to deal with everyday reality. So they find that as an escapism. Some people find it in food. Some people find it in shopping. Some people find it in gambling. Some people find it in actually putting a substance in their body, whatever that vice may be. Breathwork is not that because you're being in body. You have to feel the feels, right? There's no way out. It's only in and the deeper you go in, the more tranquil that you actually find. So my recommendation to you is play with it. You know, the more that you work with anything, the more that you can actually see oh, right, now I actually understand what my body's communicating. Remember, your body is the greatest barometer of truth. The soul isn't outside the body. The soul, the seed of the soul actually sits in the heart. So you actually want to understand more about who you are and then your interconnectedness or the weave of threading to all that is. Sit more in your heart. Come to know who you are through the power of your heart. Is it you're actually taking something to kind of with microdosing or psychedelics as an addiction? It's all into the individual. So the first question really should be, for what purpose are you doing it? And like all things, you know, have a bit of a strategy. You know, what is the objective I'm looking to get out of it? If you're not clear and you're just doing it with kind of a blank canvas, then you really are kind of going in blind. If you're going to microdose, like, um, you know, mushrooms is a really big thing on the East Coast at the moment, you know, um, microdosing with mushrooms. If you're going to do it, ask yourself, what is the intention? For what purpose am I going to do this? And when you're clear about what your intention is, then you actually don't have a hang up around what the outcome is. You know, if it's, oh, for me to actually come to be comfortable in my body or I'm having really trouble in this moment accessing this emotion and I would like to explore this by taking a microdose of this particular psychedelic so that I can then actually see what's available to me in sitting in that emotion. But always be mindful that, like anything, be prepared for both light and shade. You know, there's no there's no grandiosis in terms of it's going to be exactly as, you know, you pre- predict it to be. It'll be what it is in that moment, depending on where you are within yourself. And it's important to understand when you're taking any form of psychedelic or plant medicine, you're not just taking the medicine itself. 
you're also connecting to how you're feeling that day, everybody else that you've communicated with that day, how they're plugged into the world that day, what they're thinking, feeling, being, doing, having. So there's there's layers to it. Um, I would say educate yourself. You know, curiosity never killed the cat. Just be, be curious, yeah? And well-informed is, you know, really having that power in self to ensure that you're making the right decision for self. I love it. Curiosity. That's, if you're not, for me anyway, if I'm not being curious, life gets really boring really quick. But um, I want to segue a little bit to, um, you know, the fact that you're an executive transformation coach and all of the things we were just talking about, right, are in my mind, right, I, I would experiment with that stuff if I was looking for transformation. Mm-hmm. My past is there, you know, you mentioned the shadow self. My shadow self is alive and well and really strong. I've got a lot of craters in my past, a lot of bad stuff that happened, lots of trauma, yeah. you know, and all of these things, but all of those things shaped me into who I am today, you know, and I, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about, you know, those bad things and how they define you and mm. how you can get over them to actually get through some kind of a transformation. So I I love that you're acknowledging that there's both in you. And I think, you know, that's the first part. We we kind of want to glamorize the fact that everything's sparkly clean and that we actually don't have bad traits or we don't have anxieties or fears or um, elements of ourselves that we don't like. We all do. The reality is, is that when you walk into a room packed full of people and you're thinking to yourself, do I look okay? Do I smell okay? You know, am I going to come across all right? Everybody else in the room is thinking, feeling exactly the same thing, you know, in, in, in that relationship. Humans are kind of wired very similar in certain um, behavioural patterns. We're constantly evolving. And so when we're constantly evolving, we're not always consciously, astutely aware that we're constantly in transformation. You know, from when you were young, baby, through to where you are now, everything that you've chosen good, bad, or indifferent, if you want to kind of define it by label, it's enabled you to be the man that you are now and the trajectory in which that you're actually taking forward. Some of the most stable things that get asked of me, I think, is coming back to the foundation in and around who are you. First of all, is asking yourself not a philosophical question but a very clear question, who are you not? More often than not, humans want to know, well, who am I? Who am I in the world? Who am I to myself, to my loved ones, to my career, to my life purpose, my destiny? Well, you only can know that and really begin to know that by asking yourself, who am I not? So how do you then work through the who am I not? Well, what do you value? And not the values in terms of what society projects at you to in terms of what you should value. What do you value? And I'm not talking about just tangible things like financial well-being and longevity, you know, having annual vacations, driving the sports car, having the, you know, the beautiful home, um, family, whatever it might be. I'm talking about emotions. What are the things that you actually really value in the absence of materialism? Because materialism comes and goes. And we all know that, right? You know, we level up, we earn more money, um, we can acquire new shiny things, you know, and that's the evolution. We go down in money and then we realise, oh, you know, I value certain things more because I the same income stream is maybe not um, present as it may have been, you know, six months ago, 12 months ago. So when I talk about the values, it's what do you value in terms of emotional intimacy and emotional availability? 
meaning uh, what are you looking for in your life experiential exchanges? Um, you know, where, what do you value in terms of how you communicate or how you receive communication? Beliefs. You know, when we talk about transformation, 99% of the individuals, and I've taught a lot, you know, hundreds of thousands of individuals that come to me, 99.9% of the time they're coming with borrowed belief systems from other people that they've kind of absorbed through sponges. So belief, what do you believe? And is it your belief or is it a belief that you've borrowed? We well, are only going to know that by actually sitting with it and writing it down. What are the things that you believe to what you value? Like if you've got friction in your life right now and you're really wanting something to align up and to get you to that next level and it's not kind of aligning, then what is the belief that you hold to that value? If you're looking for more financial security but you actually have a lacking mentality around a belief that you've got to hustle hard in order to make ends meet, they're not going to come into divine union. They're going to be constantly in friction like, you know, loggerheads. The other element is the boundaries. And in today's current society, we tend to bleed all over each other. So what do I mean by that? Well, when we're going through transformation, we always kind of want to project our wounds. Is my wounds better than your wounds? Oh, you got that laceration? How no. My laceration was way bigger and more, you know, gory and, and I was able to bleed everywhere and everybody commented and it was so traumatic. And I think that's a, a bit of a culture of we, we perpetuate a lot of fear. We're taught to buy in fear mode. We're taught to sell in fear mode. We're taught to communicate in fear mode. Like if you think about it and you plug on the TV, most news networks talk about fear. They don't talk about the good things that are happening, the positive things that are happening where communities coming together. So how do you begin to work through transformation? Well, you've got to get your foundation right. Who are you not? What is it that you believe? What is it that you actually value? And if you're not in that top 2% of or that top two hierarchy of the things that you value, if your, your health and well-being is not in that one to two, then I'd be like, why the hell not? And then what boundaries, what moral compass have you got in place to make sure that you're teaching the world how to interact with you? Because the reality is, is that we can't be anything to anybody else if we're not this first and foremost to ourselves. And most of the time, individuals are busy being everything to everybody and everything outside of themselves at the full expense of self, yeah? And maybe you guys can relate to that. I mean, I know in my own learnings, I've had moments of that in my life too where I really just wanted to make something work and realised on the outset mm, it probably wasn't, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, that probably wasn't the best healthful choice for me, right? So transformation, to move through it is to also be mindful of, and these are things that most people know, it's just applying it. You know, how are you managing your energy? What are you subscribing to? You know, we live in a subscription-based society. Like if you're not subscribing to this, you're not worthy enough. Um, if you're not subscribing to buying this, then you're not worthy enough. Remember, there's another element of fear. So being really um, astutely mindful of what are you subscribing to? We talk about in terms of health and vitality and well-being, what we feed our bodies, but we don't necessarily think about what we're feeding our minds, what we're feeding our energy, what we're feeding our environment. You know, what's your environment? What you habitualize is what you habituate, yeah? So, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that everything in your foundation is supporting you and thriving you forward, not just merely existing, right? We're not here to just exist. We're here to thrive. 
I've I've done so many management trainings where they, you know, they give you the sheet of paper with all the values on it and you got to circle your top 10. I've never thought about it in that way of which ones am I not? Like that would just whittle it down and then you could, you know, rank them by that, yeah. but but that's wow, what a what what a light bulb that just went off in my head. What a great way awesome. of thinking about it. Awesome. Awesome. I'd probably go one step further. So what I would normally say to a client is write down all the things that you value as they are right now and don't be critical of them. Just witness them because part of your self-evolution, part of transformation is observation and being able to witness self in the way that you respond to the world. Remember, life is a mirror. It's constantly giving you biofeedback, you know, in all that you are and all that you do and all that you think. So if you want to up-level any area, witness yourself rather than judge yourself just simply witness and go oh that's interesting that I responded in that way how how could I possibly respond differently for a different outcome so in terms of values values is very personal what you value versus what I value they should be different because the way in which that we see feel be do have and experience the world is going to be organically uniquely unique to us as individuals yeah that's that Mm -hmm. sovereignty of of self is when you've got your list of what automatically comes to mind, then dig deeper, you know. We're not taught to dig deeper in terms of the things that we value in terms of that emotional availability or intelligence. You know, if you ask men or women, do you value sensual and sexual intimacy? Yeah, hell yes, I do, of course. But we never we never oust it. We never actually say it. We never give it the attention that it actually needs. So if you want a thriving, healthy marriage or a thriving, healthy, healthy, committed relationship, then that needs to be high on your values, yeah? We tend to not speak it, so therefore it kind of goes somewhere down the list down below. We talk again about health and vitality. We tend to put things that are more material-based above the things that actually matter most, which is us, Whatever we're wanting to achieve, we must be at the forefront of making sure that's the driving force. So I love that, you know, you're looking at it at a different different lens. Um, but that would be my next thing is to go that next level. And then with your beliefs, looking at the beliefs that you currently have, not what you would like to have, what currently are, as is, witness them. And then a separate piece of paper, then look to writing yourself a new belief. Beliefs are something that are interchangeable. A bit like um, if it's not working now, I can rewire, rewire it to work for me in the next breath or in the next moment, or in the next 30 minutes. Values, the hierarchy will change according to where you are in your maturity in your life and the evolution of the direction of your life that you're taking. Your beliefs are that transformative change bit that you can be trying to make something work and then you have that aha moment to go, oh, hang on a minute. I'm believing it to be this and it's actually not this. So I need to change my my internal wiring to shift my belief in order to get me closer to what I'm actually working towards. So write down a belief should always something that is obtainable, sustainable and has stretch to it. What's the stretch bit? It's the bit that's going to grow with you. Yeah, it's going to support you and be that container for sustainability. Mm-hmm. So I want to clumsily try and tie all of this together. You mentioned at the beginning that, that you moved here to sort of help with the the sort of rebuilding and the recovery of everything that's going on. Yeah. You, you are a seer. You are in tune with things that the rest of us are not. A lot of us have spent the last year getting really uncomfortable with our values and our beliefs and our ideas and what we want out of this life and, and making yeah. big decisions. So 
let's try and smash all of that together. So what sort of, I guess, sort of what are you hoping to do in terms of helping people uh, to, to recover from all of this? How do we recover from all this? And what do you see uh, on the other side of what we're about to come out of? Lots of questions. So I'll try and weave them all in as much as I possibly can. In under three hours would be great. (laughs) (laughs) So I moved here intentionally to help the U.S. rebuild. Patriarchally, the U.S. has always been kind of the dominant force in the globe in terms of leader of. I think, unfortunately, there is a lot of smoke and mirrors around what is reality and what is illusion. 2020 really was the house of cards collapsing and really beginning to clearly show the collective here in the US. Don't worry about the externality of the US, but really just the US population of what is smoke and what is the mirrored effect. Yeah, what matters most and what are you buying into? And so this collective pause was super uncomfortable because people were forced to be in themselves, to be with their emotions, to actually begin to reconcile their lives rather than be in this kind of, you know, whirlwind tunnel of constantly just consume, consumption, 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 and not having any real regard around their trajectory of who they are and their sovereignty and the decisions that they're actually making and how that's implicating everybody else. Remember, we're all interconnected. We're all interplugged. So every time you, and I'll, I'll use you as the example, every time you plug in and say, yes, I, I would like more of that, you say to yourself, yeah, I really aspire to have more of that. Your higher guidance is going, yeah, no worries, I'll give you that. But before we do, we're going to flush out the plugs. We're going to flush out the pipes. We're going to plug into you into this, 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 and this. So you need to clear this relationship. You need to let go of all of this. You've got to purge all of that kind of unhealthful thinking. We did that collectively. It was super uncomfortable, yeah, and it became very traumatic because people were realising they didn't know how to hold themselves because they had been fed so much information on how to think, be, do, have from hierarchical influence that they've forgotten who they were. They, they really had this whole, a bit like mushrooms, you know, being fed shit in the dark <laughs> and realising, holy shit, there's like sunshine now and I actually don't need to be fed shit in the dark. <laughs> there's like, you know, there's a, I'm glad that you find that humorous. There's a whole, whole nother dynamic out there. So moving here was to help bridge uh, working with corporate into grassroots. So we have a lot of dichotomy in this country, the haves versus the have-nots. Um, and, and I think it's really important to understand, I didn't move here blindly. You know, I invested hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own capital in order to come and help the US rebuild because of that kind of dichotomy of the haves and the have-nots. You know, in Australia where I'm from, there's still dichotomy, but it's not so polarised as it is here. You know, it's a very community-driven um, connection in Australia versus here. There's kind of like segregation. And even, you know, when we first, before we jumped on today to talk, you know, you see the difference, the polarisation between the East and the and the West Coast. And, you know, we see that play on the political arena, you know, whether you're Republican or Democrat, the whole purpose of what's moving forward beyond COVID is humanitarianism. You know, we've spent really in the patriarchal old mentality of dictatorship. It's kind of glossy with a flag 
with, you know, a certain amount of stars on the flag and we celebrate on the 4th of July and Independence Day. But the reality is, is this kind of dictatorship of how you think CB do have is old consciousness. And part of COVID was for people to really put perspective in what it is to be human and what it is to actually co-create. So moving forward, you know, the next 10 years, we're going to have a lot of birthing pains. If you think about, you know, if your dads have, or you've got family members have ever had kids, you know, there's that whole birthing process. It's gestation. We're in a gestation process. And so how are we going to be on the other side of this when everybody's inoculated? No. Are there going to be more variants of the COVID strain? Yes. You know, are they going to make it bigger than Ben-Hur? Yes. Is it actually bigger than Ben-Hur? No. It's perception. It's just how much you're buying into that perception and how you want to hold yourself in that space. Um, And we've got a really long birthing canal. Are we going to have still more growing pains that are really uncomfortable collectively? Absolutely. Is there going to be a lot more joy? Yes, because we're going to start realising that it's not so much about what's in it for me, the whiffing, you know, analogy and being very um, self-centred. It's about what are we co-collectively creating? What are we building in terms of legacies from grassroots, from corporate and melding it in between for future generations? You know, there's still, I feel like toying between what's happening with the planet and people still wanting to kind of bypass the reality. Earth's shelf life, she's got a shelf life in terms of humanity's consumption. So we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more um, visionaries, more innovation. We live in a very AI-driven space, but we've got to be mindful in the rise of the AI that we don't lose the human touch and connection. And so we've got a long way in this birthing to kind of come together. So I'm, I'm here to help navigate that. What is my role in that? Well, I do a lot of different things um, and probably too long to explain, but I'm, I'm very much a bridge. I help to bridge the two worlds together and to normalise the what's needed and to ensure that leaders that are coming through are equipped with the appropriate emotional mental intelligence to be able to lead communities together in diversity in unity, in equality, you know, these fractions of it being very segregated are old. They won't sustain. And we'll still see in the next one to two years more of this kind of, you know, tussling. I kind of, I don't want to say battle because it's not a battle where there's like full swords and, and bloodshed or anything like that, but it's more of just war of words, you know, people wanting to have the upper hand it's going to have a very, very quick expiry day. It won't go for the long haul because people are tired of listening to that. And people are tired, you know, if you, you think about people who are in your own life, they're tired of hearing the um, over-promising and under-delivering. You know, right now people are hurting, irrespective of the role in which that you play in your community, in your home dynamics, in your extended family. We're not, no one's removed from it. We're all feeling it in one shape, form or another. So we're going to see the rise and the really beautiful rise of humanity that's going to be about co-collaboration. It's going to be driven in the power of love. Fear will no longer be a driving force because people are now beginning to realise that fear is costing them too much. It's costing them in terms of their integrity. It's costing them in terms of their health and their vitality, their choices, And um, it's an exciting time. Yes, we've got a lot of birthing to get through, but 
it is going to be a really exciting time and what we're going to be creating as a result of it. So this is really an invitation of the stuff that feels uncomfortable from last year. Look to this year is what do I want to create and what do I want to co-create and how can I actually bridge the two together and where am I needing some support in this or is there somebody else in my network that would really add value to that and where can I co-collaborate to actually add value in the workplace or in my community? We're going to see a rise of that, definitely. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> but we, we do need to wrap things up. If, if someone like me wants to continue this conversation, reach out with you, where can we learn more about you? Uh, at astraglobal.org. Reach out. You can subscribe. Um, there's a lot coming in the in the works. Actually, over on the East Coast later this year, I'll be opening up a physical, physical academy, uh, which will be a new community space where people can actually come and learn more in, about emotional, mental intelligence, higher consciousness, and really bridging the two worlds and tapping access within themselves. So really being able to learn how to self-heal. I'm a big cathartic uh, leader in driving that. You know, we, we don't need to be dependent on other people as crutches. Uh, we are able to self-heal ourselves far more than what we are ever given power or credit uh, previously. So keep a, keep an eye out for that. But definitely subscribe. Sub- like all things, guys, subscribe. Subscribe to the email and be in the loop and, and keep updated. And if anybody wants to have anything more intimate and personal in terms of uh, mentorship or coaching, there's all the information there. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. Zach, were you going to say something? I, I was because I am on the East Coast and I, for very selfish reasons, where where <laughs> physically is that going to be located? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'll actually be in either downtown or Manhattan. I'm still looking at locations right now. So, ah, nice easy train ride for me. Yeah, be be uh, clued in. But yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let, let's be in touch when that opens. I'd love to talk more about that. Yeah, please. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been fascinating. Thanks, guys. Our thanks to Ashra Bennett. She's a certified executive transformational coach. Her website, again, ashraglobal.org, A-S-H-R-A global.org. There's, of course, a link to her and all of that she does on our website, thefitmess.com. I'm glad she talked about values. I, I really do feel like finding out what your own personal values are, are such a good starting point for any work that you want to do on yourself, right? It'll, it'll define the path that you need to go down. And that's the thing, because you will be tested uh, in whatever path you take and who you choose to follow. Uh, we've talked about this mm-hmm. with other guests in the past that, you know, there there's some people that I've followed for a long time that when COVID started hitting and, and they started buying into a lot of the conspiracy theories and, and, and sharing bad information, I just thought, wow, like, am, am I off base here? Like, am I doing something wrong? Because this person I trust is mm-hmm. now completely full of crap. And that's where you have to come back to your values and what you believe and what and who you are as a person, really, because it's really easy to get caught up in someone else's belief system and and to hold it as your own. And if you don't know who you are and and what matters to you, it's so much easier to get sucked into these just sometimes dangerous ideas. Yeah. But what she said about being curious, though, is is also so important, too, right, is being open minded to other things and other ideas, right? In some of those cases where, in, in at least in my experience, I see other people with a different opinion as mine and I get curious and I try and understand it. And every now and again, 
I'm wrong. My wife will tell you every day, but <laughs> it's usually every now and again. And it's funny how curiosity seems to be a, a growing theme uh, on this show lately. Like the last few guests that we've talked to, they all come back to that. And it's funny how that is such a simple way to relieve stress and struggle because so often the things that cause our suffering are the things that we're fighting back against or that we have some preconceived idea about, or we have some belief of how it's supposed to be where if we flip that and just decide, I'm just going to explore why I feel that way or why my reaction is that way. It eases that suffering and it becomes just another step on the path rather than being this, this barrier that you're slamming up against and, and unable to get over. Yeah. It's so much easier to be curious than to be, you know, resentful of, of something else. And I guess just kind of some final thoughts on this. Uh, you know, I, I hope that what she sees as a clairvoyant is the case. This idea that all of this sort of conflict and turmoil that we're all going through and, and this pandemic is a kind of a birthing process for a, a happier, more joyful, more collaborative experience for humanity. Because if it continues like this, this is rough. This is this is not a happy place for a lot of people. And and I hope that this is just a temporary, um, you know, pain point on the way to to a better experience for all of us, where we do think a little bit more about our neighbors and and our friends and our colleagues, uh, and a little bit less about you know what's in it for me. So I hope she's right. I hope what she sees is the truth. Yeah. But speaking of what's in it for me, I've thanked my anxiety again, right? Because it spent forty years preparing me for a really anxious moment, which wasn't even a blip for me mm -hmm. on the anxiety scale. Right, right. Right. So all of these things, I've been cursing my anxiety for years and years and years. The last 12 months haven't been bad for me because it's no different than taking a left-hand turn into oncoming traffic <laughs> for me. I still love how much that bothers you. <laughs> although, I did it today. Although I have the same thing with the, any drive-through experience. If, if I'm in a drive-through, like a restaurant, like a, a Starbucks or something, if there are people behind me, I, I'm I'm out of there. I can't. I just I lose it. The anxiety is way too much. So I can relate to your left turn pain. Yeah. So I, I do hope that coming out of this, you know, it, this is sad to say. I hope that people got uncomfortable enough that they had to do things to make themselves better. Yes. Agreed. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, the show, by the way, sponsored by the athletic brewing company, some of the best non-alcoholic beers you can get on the market. There is a link to them and all of the various, uh, tools we have in our toolkit at our website, thefitmess.com. While you're there, please do subscribe on whatever podcast player you use and please sign up for the newsletter. So you're always in the loop with what we're up to. We are going to get out of here. We will be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode at thefitmess.com. See everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we do need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. They do not play them on the Internet, and even if they did play them on the Internet, they would be really bad at it. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they are talking about and that you will do your own research on the topics talked about on this podcast.